Tuesday, October 23rd, 2018. You are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast, and I am your host, Clint Daly, coming to you from the Mile High City right here in Denver, Colorado. You know, we get together every single weekday, and we talk sports with a dose of common sense. Hopefully, maybe we can make you smile here or there. Like to look back at some sports history now and then, and we are happy to have you here with us today. Happy Tuesday to you. Hope you got through your Monday pretty clean. Hope you're feeling good now going into Tuesday and heading into the rest of the week. Now, here is just a little bit of sports history for you on this day, October 23rd. It was October 23rd, 18 years ago, in the year 2000, that Vinny Testaverde and the New York Jets pulled off the Monday night miracle against the Miami Dolphins. Not sure if you remember this game. Down 30-7, Jets veteran quarterback Vinny Testaverde brought New York back to tie the game at 37 and force overtime. And, you know, he actually did it on a pass to a tackle eligible as he hit Jumbo Elliott for the tying score at the end of regulation. Here is a clip from ABC. Meanwhile, second down and goal from the two out of the tight formation. Fake to Martin, then a dump, and it is juggled and caught by Jumbo Elliott. That Jumbo, they had the hands team in. The tackle lines up as an eligible receiver at the end of the line. He's open, he's juggling, he's falling down, and they're one point from tying the game. Then, of course, the Jets went on to win the game in overtime. But, you know, Vinny Testaverde... It's kind of a strange phenomenon in the world of sports, isn't he? When you think back to Vinny Testaverde, maybe you're too young to remember him. Maybe you do remember him and kind of think back and think, oh, what exactly did he do? I mean, Vinny Testaverde played for 21 seasons in the NFL. 21 years in the league? Who does that anymore? Set a number of records as far as longevity. He finished his career with 90 wins and 123 losses. Not a great career, wins and losses. And he played on a number of bad teams. But right now, when you look at the New York Jets fans, and you see how excited they are about Sam Darnold, I mean, you have to kind of understand it. Think back to this. Who is the greatest quarterback in New York Jets history? I guess we'd all say Joe Namath. I mean, he won the Super Bowl. Yes, you can dissect his stats, and you can look at some of the things he did, and through a ton of interceptions, whatever. I don't think it's that close. Joe Namath, best quarterback in Jets history, right? Okay, who is number two on that list? That gets a little bit tougher. And I think you would probably have to say, I think it was Vinny Testaverde, right? If he is the second best quarterback in your franchise history, you'd be pretty excited about Sam Darnold now too, wouldn't you? I mean, I know I would. Those are some really, really lean years in New York Jets history. Hey, if you'd like to contact us, maybe let us know your favorite Vinny Testaverde memory. We would love to hear from you. Hit us up on email, dailydosports at gmail.com, or feel free to go find us over on Facebook or Twitter. Reach out to us there. Both of those handles are at dailydosports. If you got a question, got a comment, like I said, maybe you've got a Vinny Testaverde memory. Well, remember that bowl game against Penn State, right? Remember when they got off in the fatigues at Miami? A lot of memories out there about Vinny Testaverde. If you've got one you'd like to share, feel free to reach out. Hey, today on the show, you know, we do have some breaking news things coming out that we want to touch on. 
But it feels like on Mondays, especially this Monday, with me being gone last week, we just have so many things to catch up on that a lot of times on Tuesdays, we take a little bit of a deeper look at football. Because pro football, college football, there are only so many weeks during the season. So on Tuesdays, we like to take a look at some of the winners and some of the losers from the weekend in football. Had so much to cover yesterday. Want to talk a little bit more about football today. But before we get to that, let's talk about some breaking news and a few things coming out. And we will start off in the NFL because it looks like Tampa Bay Pro Bowl linebacker Quan Alexander, who left the Bucks overtime victory over Cleveland on Sunday. Yeah, that looks like that is a torn ACL. Quan Alexander is done for the year. You know, I actually was watching this game when Alexander went down. And if you watch the replay, it didn't really look like anything. But what I was watching was his teammates' reaction, and you could see from what they were doing, yeah, this might be bad. When you see professional athletes immediately surround a guy and take a knee, yeah, you can probably surmise it's going to be something a little bit serious. You know, this is too bad for Quan Alexander. I actually feel bad for the guy. He is due to be a free agent this coming offseason. He was hoping to have a big year this year and maybe get that big contract. Going to be tougher to do so now. Also, it's not good news for a Tampa Bay defense that is not very good. Do you realize? Think of all the bad teams we have in the NFL right now. Like if you were just thinking of the worst teams in the league right now, number of teams to choose from. Got the Arizonas, got San Francisco. Maybe you throw an Oakland or a Buffalo in there. The Tampa Bay defense right now is the lowest ranked defense in the entire league. I mean, Tampa is not without talent. Why aren't they better? The Tampa Bay defense is giving up 33 points per game right now. That ranks them 32nd in the league. Now they're going to get worse without a decent player in Quan Alexander? Yeah, that's not good news for Tampa. Now, I know we haven't talked much NBA or college hoops just yet here on The Dose, and never fear, you know we will. But the first AP college basketball poll came out yesterday, and surprise, it actually wasn't the Duke Blue Devils that came out on top. No, we talked about this at the end of last year. Who's going to be the top-ranked team coming into the season? And we called it back in the spring because the Kansas Jayhawks, who were our pick back then, checked in at the number one spot in that preseason poll released yesterday. They get the top spot to start the season for the third time in Kansas history. And of course, all three of those times have come under head coach Bill Self. The Jayhawks got 37 of the 65 first place votes, and that was nearly twice what number two Kentucky came in with. Now, This is not always good news for Kansas. The previous two times that the Jayhawks were voted a preseason number one didn't end so well. Back in 2004-2005, Kansas lost to Bucknell in the first round of the NCAA tournament. And then in 2009-2010, Kansas was also number one for a good amount of the year. And then they lost to Northern Iowa in the second round. So I don't know if this is where Kansas wants to be. I know as a head coach, you usually prefer to be the hunter, not the hunted. But right now, the voters have put Kansas on top. Kentucky does come in at number two. Gonzaga comes in at number three. And then we have the Duke Blue Devils coming in at number four. We know Duke is loaded with talent. It's just that that talent is going to be extremely young. You know what's interesting about these top four teams? 
is that three of these four teams, Kansas, Kentucky, and Duke, have all been mentioned with the recruiting scandals rolling around in college hoops right now. And you know what my biggest takeaway from it is? Nobody really cares. Honestly. I mean, we sit there and we say, hey, there's this FBA scandal. There's this FBI probe into what's going on in college basketball. There's these athletic shoe deals. We know players might be getting paid. We know some of the stuff was going on at Louisville. At the end of the day, we're not really seeing anything happen. No one's really doing anything. We're not seeing teams lose recruits or lose scholarships or forfeit anything or nothing's really coming of any of it. And you know why? And we'll get into this the further into hoop season that we get. But honestly, no one cares. No one really cares. I know that the FBI, they're going to turn up some evidence here or there. And the NCAA is going to stand on their podium and shake their fist at everyone. And we're telling you right now, it better stop it. No one cares. We just want our March Madness to be good. We don't care how it gets that way. Pay the players all you want. We don't care. Just don't tell us about it. And hey, let's go ahead and have some really good buzzer beaters come March, okay? That's as much as we care about. You know the interesting thing to think about? Just kind of lobbing this out there. We know, based statistically, this is probably happening even more so in college football just because of the number of athletes involved. No one's talking about college football. It will probably come at some point, but I'm just saying, it probably happens even more in college football than in college hoops. Finally, in the world of, I guess, kind of weird news, we are going to make a stop in the NBA today because while all of the news in Minnesota around the Timberwolves has been about disgruntled guard Jimmy Butler wanting out of Minnesota, Timberwolves head coach Tom Thibodeau made some news yesterday when he said this. He said backup point guard Derrick Rose is actually very underrated. I mean, he might be. He's a pretty talented player. We know the problem with Derrick Rose. He's always on crutches. But here's what Tom Thibodeau said. As long as he's healthy, he'll be one of the best players in the league. That's what Thib said on Monday. Wait, hold on. Run that back one more time. I know I must have missed something. What did he say again? As long as Derrick Rose is healthy, he's one of the best players in the league. Isn't that kind of like saying, as long as Jimmy Butler doesn't hate being in Minnesota, he really likes being in Minnesota. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, as long as Rajon Rondo isn't spitting at or punching Chris Paul in the mouth, he really likes Chris Paul. (laughs) Or, as long as J.R. Smith isn't being dumb, he's actually really smart. Yeah, except for that none of those things are happening. We only have what we actually see. The fact is, Derrick Rose is always hurt. He's never not hurt. So to sit there and say, well, as long as he's not hurt, he's really good. Well, yeah, sure. But that's never happened. He's always hurt. I'm not sure I'm following Coach Thibbs' logic on any of this. Hey, coming back, like I said, Mondays are always so busy that on Tuesdays, we like to look a little bit closer at the world of football. So when we get back, we are going to be discussing some winners and some losers from another busy weekend in college and pro football. So it was another interesting week in the world of both pro and college football. And I want to start off in college football because every single week, we start to learn a little bit more, but today we want to discuss a few of the winners and losers from the weekend in college football, starting off with a winner. And I have to give a winner 
to Nebraska head football coach Scott Frost. Hey, the Red Faithful have taken some serious heat this year. Remember when they got Scott Frost to come from Central Florida and they were talking about championship contending and returning to dominance? Their former quarterback, Scott Frost, was coming back from pretending to win a national championship and he was going to do the same thing at Nebraska and he was probably going to do it in his first season, right? That's what we were hearing in the offseason. Hey, Nebraska is going to be back. Yeah, and then Nebraska had their first game canceled for weather and then they lost their home opener to Colorado. That's not a good sign. And then they lost to Troy. That's not good. And then they lost to Michigan. Then they lost to Purdue, and then they lost to Wisconsin, and then they even lost to Northwestern. Nebraska started the season 0-6. This was Nebraska's worst start since the Great Wars. When I say Great Wars, of course, I mean World War I and World War II, but when I say Great Wars, it just sounds like it's even longer ago, right? I don't know why that is, but it seems to be that way. Well, on Saturday, Nebraska broke their losing streak. After 10 straight losses going back to last year, they beat Minnesota 53-28 to on Saturday. Hey, Nebraska never trailed in the game. And for a change, their defense didn't completely collapse. And we know Scott Frost doesn't have his people in yet. They don't have a ton of depth. But they didn't allow a big comeback late. Hey, Scott Frost finally got that coveted Gatorade shower. It's just that who among us expected it to be in late October before he actually got the Gatorade shower. I know I was surprised. Now that's the good news. The bad news for the Huskers, they still have Ohio State, they still have Iowa, and they still have Michigan State on the schedule, so they may not get many more wins this year. So we had to give Scott Frost a winner this week, otherwise we might not be able to give him one, I don't know, all year. Now, I am going to give a loser, and I am actually going to give a huge loser to both head coaches in the Michigan-Michigan State game that took place on Saturday. If you didn't see it, and we all know, Michigan went out, dominated the game, pushed the Spartans around defensively, won the game 21-7. to Something Jim Harbaugh has not done at Michigan is beat Michigan State. Well, he finally did it on Saturday. But if you didn't see it prior to the game, we saw some really, really ugly stuff from both teams. First off, Michigan State went marching through the Michigan warmups. Now, when you hear that, you think, well, this is just a bunch of dumb kids doing dumb things. That's not how this was. Because their head coach, Mark D'Antonio, was right behind them, marching with them, which kind of makes me think he kind of told them to go march through Michigan's warmups. Of course, the Michigan players were very angry about it. There's a little bit of a scuffle. And then after Michigan State leaves, the Wolverine players go out and start jumping on the Spartans logo, tearing it up with their cleats, trying to rip the sod out of the ground. Now again, where's the adult for Michigan? Mark D'Antonio, I don't know what you're doing marching behind your team and having them do this nonsense before the game. But where is Jim Harbaugh when his players are out there ripping up the sod? Then after the game, they did it again. They went out, jumped on the Spartans logo, tried to rip the sod up with their cleats. But where in the world is Jim Harbaugh when they're doing this? I mean, he's out there. I know he's out there, but he's probably too busy looking at himself in the mirror. A little note to adults. Stop being dumber than the kids. Hey, they're kids. They have the excuse. They're young and dumb. You should actually know better. Be a leader. And you know what? 
This isn't even about Jim Harbaugh going out there and telling them to stop. This isn't even about Mark D'Antonio walking with his players and apparently probably telling them, let's go march through Michigan's warmups. It is the idea that these two idiots have kids that think this kind of behavior is okay. You didn't fail on Saturday, D'Antonio and Harbaugh. You might think they did. That's not when they failed. They failed long before that by not teaching their kids to know better than to do this kind of nonsense. That stuff was embarrassing on Saturday and both of these coaches should be fined. They both definitely were losers on Saturday. So here's a question as we hand out our next winner. We have now had the playoff for what, four seasons? Alabama won the first one. Then they beat Clemson in the second one. Then Clemson beat Alabama in the third one. And then last year, Alabama beat Clemson again, but in the semifinal. Then they went on to beat Georgia in the final. Now, surely this year, we're going to get some fresh blood, right? Well, we might, but it's starting to look like these two are on a collision course again this year. So if you bet on the fact that Alabama is going to face Clemson again in the college football playoff, yeah, you're definitely a winner this week. The Crimson Tide are plowing through opponents, and they are making it look ridiculously easy. And then Clemson, who had that whole quarterback controversy thing, it seems like they're starting to heat up. Both teams have young, very talented quarterbacks. Both have very good defenses, and both have very manageable remaining schedules. Alabama does still have number four LSU, and they do have Auburn. Then they'll play the SEC championship game. Clemson basically has nothing left. Clemson has Florida State, Duke, South Carolina, and then the ACC championship against what's going to be who? Virginia Tech or Miami or something? Yeah, it's looking more and more like we're going to see Alabama playing Clemson in the college football playoff again. I'm kind of over it, but that looks like where it's headed. I'm going to give a loser to Ohio State, and I know, I know, we discussed them yesterday on the show, but... The Ohio State Buckeyes are worthy of a second mention this week as a loser because not only did their season cave in on them when they got rolled by Purdue on Saturday night, which was bad enough. Like that was a rough game to watch. Purdue lit Ohio State up. Their quarterback, Dwayne Haskins, probably lost any shot he had at a Heisman. But then we did also get another reason to add OSU to our loser list because it was also announced last week that their best defensive player, Linebacker Nick Bosa, yeah, he's done for the season because he's not going to return because he wants to focus on getting ready for the NFL instead. Hey, that's not good news for a Buckeyes defense that is giving up big play after big play. They kind of need Nick Bosa. Now he says, nah, you know, I think I'm going to hit the weight room, maybe do some running stuff, kind of start getting ready for the NFL. Uh, Good luck, though. Hope you guys do well. Let me know how it turns out. Ohio State has already given up nearly 50 plays of 15 or more yards this season. Now they're losing their best defensive player? Yeah, Ohio State is definitely a loser this week. I'm going to move out to the Pac-12 and give a winner out there. And you know, it's funny when we look at the Pac-12 because we always say the same thing, right? When you preview the Pac-12, we always think the same thing. Hey, Southern California has the most talent every year, of course. Washington has the best coach in the Pac-12. Oregon has, I don't know, the most uniforms, most different colors, whatever. Stanford has the smart kids. Stanford has Bryce Love. Washington State has their crazy head coach, Mike Leach. We know he's going to fire the ball all over the place. And then what happens 
every single year in the Pac-12. Utah wins the conference. Well, don't look now, but it's happening again right before our eyes. The Utah Utes, yes, they started slow. They lost to both Washington and to Washington State, but they're getting it going now. They have now won three in a row. They beat Stanford, Arizona, and on Saturday, they blew the doors off of Southern Cal. Utah rolled up nearly 600 yards over what we all think is the more talented team. And as the season rolls along, when you look at the coaches in the Pac-12, and I know Chris Peterson up at Washington, very, very good. Mike Leach up at Washington State, yes, he's very good. Honestly, though, I trust Kyle Whittingham more than anyone else in that goofy conference. Utah is now at the top of the Pac-12 South. They have just one more ranked team on their schedule, which is a home game against number 19, Oregon. Hey, if they keep getting better, like they have been doing, and they end up facing, say, Washington in the Pac-12 title game, yeah, I'd be leaning toward Utah. You know, I really, honestly, I should know better by now. Every single year when I pick the Pac-12, I should just be naming Utah because it seems like every single year they win it. I don't know why I ever doubt that. My bad. That's on me. My mistake. I'm going to give one final loser to an SEC team that has showed a lot of promise early on, but lately they are stumbling around like a bunch of drunken toddlers. The Mississippi State Bulldogs returned a ton of players, including quarterback Nick Fitzgerald from back when Dan Mullen was still there before he left for Florida, starting off the season. Mississippi State had enough talent. They were looking like maybe they could be a contender. They got off to a 3-0 start. Yeah, and then things have started to fall apart. Mississippi State has now lost three of their last four games. They're talking about benching Nick Fitzgerald. On Saturday, the Bulldogs got beat 19-3 by LSU. They were held to 59 yards passing. They also turned it over four times. Things are not going well for Mississippi State. Hey, coming back, we need to switch over to the NFL. We do have some winners and losers over there too. You know, we have two quarterbacks. They're going in completely different directions. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but did the Detroit Lions actually find themselves a running back? Hey, just a quick reminder that if you have any shopping you need to do, and I hate to bring this up, I really do, but Christmas is coming quickly. I know you don't want to think about that, but it is coming quickly. You might want to head over to lootcrate.com forward slash daily dose where you can find the latest pop culture collectibles featuring your favorite TV shows, movies, and video games. November's Loot Crate theme is now out. It is called Laboratory. Some truths can only be found under a microscope. Countless experiments in the Loot Crate Laboratory have yielded a collection of cutting edge gear that exists beyond mortality. Are you ready for the next step? Hey, November's Loot Crate theme features items from Bioshock, Westworld, and Better Call Saul. But if none of those franchises interest you, remember, you can go to Loot Crate. You can choose from a huge selection of crates. You can pick a monthly subscription of crates that you can order or skip every single month if you like what they're offering. Or you can just go over to Loot Crate and pick individual items to order. And trust me, they have just about any franchise you can think of. The best part about ordering from Loot Crate... When you check out, just be sure you type Daily Dose in the coupon box. We are going to get you 10% off of your order just as a little thank you for tuning into the Daily Dose each and every day. So let's continue with our winners and losers from the football weekend, and let's switch over to the NFL. And I've got to give our first winner to New Orleans Saints quarterback Drew Brees. Drew Brees is just knocking down records right and left this year. On Sunday, 
Brees, who is now the NFL leader in career passing yardage, joined Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and Brett Favre as the only quarterbacks in league history with 500 touchdown passes. Hey, the Saints are 5-1. and one. They came from behind to beat the Baltimore Ravens on the road. And you know, I just said last week, Drew Brees doesn't win that many games outside. Like he's really good in his dome. Sometimes when he goes outside, it doesn't quite look the same. Hey, on Sunday, Drew Brees went to Baltimore, beat a good Ravens team, and got another win for the Saints. I've got to name him a winner for that. On the other side of that whole successful quarterback equation is our good friend, Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback, Blake Bortles, who honestly, he looks like he's going backwards this year. You know, we've always kind of seen like a flash of good Blake Bortles and then a lot of bad Blake Bortles. This year, it doesn't even seem like we're getting the flash of good Bortles. We're only getting the bad side. Against the Houston Texans on Sunday, which is a division rivalry. This is a very important game. Playing at home, Blake Bortles went 6 of 12 for 60 yards and two fumbles. He ended up getting benched in favor of Cody Kessler. Now, they are saying he's still a starter. I don't know if that means anything. But what do you do if you're Jacksonville right now? What do you do with Blake Bortles? Do you give up on him? Do you just kind of grit your teeth and just say, well, he's our guy. We got to stick with him. Do you go with Cody Kessler here in a week or two? I have no idea what Jacksonville will end up doing, but I know this. The Jags have some serious problems, which is kind of interesting because don't forget in the offseason, we were hearing all these players on Jacksonville kind of anointing themselves the favorite in the AFC. Yeah, how's that going right now? Jacksonville is in some serious trouble. And most of their problems begin and end at the quarterback position. Blake Bortles has looked terrible. I don't know. If you could trade Blake Bortles right now for Eli Manning straight up, if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, would you do it? He couldn't be any worse, could he? As bizarre as that sounds, I don't think he could be any worse. I don't know. I might consider it. At least he's clutch. I know Eli's bad, but at least he's clutch. I'm going to give one more winner. How long has it been since the Detroit Lions had a bona fide running back? I mean, Reggie Bush was a nice third down guy, but I don't know that he was an every down kind of back. So honestly, I think we're going back to the days of Barry Sanders and probably Billy Sims, aren't we? Well, the Lions maybe, possibly have found a runner in Carrion Johnson who ran for 158 yards on Sunday. The Lions beat the Miami Dolphins on the road. These are things that don't happen to the Detroit Lions. They don't win games. They sure don't win games on the road. And they certainly don't win games on the road thanks to a good running game. But Kerryon Johnson had the best rushing performance by a rookie in the NFL this season. And the Lions finished with 248 yards rushing as a team. That is their best overall rushing day in 21 years years since they had 249 yards clear back in 1997 with of course Barry Sanders getting basically all of it that was when he ran for 2,000 yards in a single season hey I don't know maybe the Lions have actually found a running back the next decent running back in a line of like I don't know two guys in their entire history maybe the Lions finally found their guy I'm going to give our final NFL loser this week 
and I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to give it to me. I'm basically going to give it to all of us. Not football fans, not NFL fans, not college football fans. I'm just going to give it to all of us as human beings on this planet. Because I hate to be the bearer of bad tidings, but former Carolina Panthers wide receiver Ray Carruth was released yesterday after spending the past 17 years in the Samson Correctional Institution back in Clinton, North Carolina. Now, Ray Carruth is now 44 years old. He was, of course, convicted back on January 16, 2001. He was sentenced to 18 to 24 years for conspiracy to commit murder of his then-pregnant girlfriend, Cherica Adams. She actually died about a month after the shooting. And what had happened is Carruth had hired a hitman named Van Brett Watkins to shoot his pregnant girlfriend. And the baby, Chancellor Lee Adams, who is now 18 years old, somehow survived the shooting in his mother's womb, but lost blood and oxygen, which caused permanent brain damage. Now, the fact that Ray Carruth is now out and on the streets, I don't know, it just kind of feels yuck to me. Like, it doesn't give you that warm, fuzzy feeling. Yes, I realize he paid his dues. At least that's what the courts have told us. He paid his due to society. He is now out. He is now a free man. Can he ever get a job? Can he ever get work? I don't have any idea. But he is out. And I just kind of feel like as human beings, that's probably not the best news we've ever gotten that Ray Carruth got out. I mean, the fact is, this is a sick individual, right? Someone who could possibly do that. And now we know that the child is out there still suffering from all these things caused by Ray Carruth. I don't know. It just kind of feels dirty. But here's the question that I guess I have. I know that yesterday, and we talked about it a little bit on Monday, the Oakland Raiders just traded Amari Cooper to the Dallas Cowboys for another first-round pick. So I'm just kind of throwing this out there. Oakland does now need a wide receiver. I mean, hey, we have seen them make some questionable moves in the past. I don't know. Did they take a look at Ray Cruz? Oh, come on. You know you were thinking it too. Like they would be above going out and trying to sign him to a cheap deal. Hey, tomorrow on the Daily Dose, we will, of course, be bringing you the latest and greatest in the world of sports news. Plus, I think we just might have some Daily Dose Hump Day power rankings, and we might have to start looking a little bit at some basketball because hoop season is coming very, very quickly. You never know what we might be ranking this week just going to give you that little bit of a hint. have to say thank you all so much for listening to The Daily Dose today on your Tuesday. For all of you that share the show, for all of you that tell your friends, that email us, that text us, that message us, thank you so much. It is genuinely appreciated. Anytime you would like to reach out, we would love to hear from you. have to say thank you to JSP. Could not do any of this without you. I will see you all tomorrow. Have a great Tuesday.